Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 348 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Daniel Helby of Megagon Industries about their downhill mountain biking sim, Lonely Mountains Downhill. I really, really like this game. It takes downhill bicycling, or mountain biking, and turns it into this relaxing sort of meditative experience whilst also presenting a really interesting set of challenges which can be frustrating if you let it get to you but I don't. I still remember encountering this game. It was at at, at an expo of some description. I'm not sure if it's raised or packs. I can't remember which. It doesn't matter. What does matter is I spent a great deal of time dragging people where I knew or knew in passing to make sure they played it as well. It's a really beautiful game, really well laid out. And the challenge of each mountain as you tackle it is not insurmountable. You can overcome it. There's mechanics in the game that allow you to keep trying, keep practicing and getting up again and you will persevere and you will be rewarded for persevering in said game. So, without further ado, let us listen to me from the past talk to Daniel about this extraordinary game. Chris, take it away. Daniel. Hi. (laughs) Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'm Daniel Helbig. Um, I co-founded Megagon Industries together with my partner Jan Bubenik in 2013. Um, I'm the co-CEO, but I'm also doing game design and level design and some creative direction stuff. Many hats, as is often found yeah. with smaller developers. That's fine. Yeah. And uh, how did you make a start making video games? Um, it is actually kind of childhood dream of mine. Okay. So I started in the 
Unreal Tournament modding community when I was 13. Um, mm. I mean, I never did anything noticeable, but um, I learned to make a few maps and try to work on a bigger mod, which then kind of <laughs> disbanded after a few years. Um, after that, I actually studied game design at the Games Academy, which is a school in Berlin. Okay. And then I got my first job as a game design assistant at Keen Games, which is a console studio in Frankfurt. I think they're nowadays mostly known for doing portal nights. Um, yeah, and after that, I worked at Remote Control Productions, which is a production house in Munich, made most of the time just doing pitches and um, preparing pitch documents and like doing a little bit of consulting on the creative part for, for other companies. Right. And in 2010, I founded my first company with some friends of mine, which was an agency for game thinking. At least that's what we called it at the time, which was mainly in this gamification phase um, where everyone wanted to do some gamified stuff for their non-game products. Right. At some point, we didn't like being an agency anymore, and we went to going freelance. And then I founded Megon Industries with a friend of mine, and we did two premium mobile games. And in, I think, 2017, we decided to work full time on Lonely Mountains Downhill. That's interesting. Uh, that you you don't you, you had to qualify by saying premium mobile games. Because when people think mobile, they just think you know. Um, um, the old cash grab kind of like you know pay as you pay to win kind of stuff, but uh, there are games out there, and I do play them on the mobile that are actually just like every other video game. You buy it and you play it off the mm -hmm. pop, and that's wonderful. And there's a, I mean, Apple Arcade has done a lot of good in that regard, in my, in my opinion. Some may argue it against it, but I've played some wonderful games on that platform, and. Uh, you know, we can criticize Apple all we like, but that particular endeavor is a very interesting and forward-thinking one. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm not that much into the mobile market anymore, but no. from what I can see, doing premium games outside of the the Apple Arcade environment is um, it's very hard yes. <laughs> to say fraught. at least. Um, fraught is the word you're probably <laughs> looking for, but. No, I mean, I played Inmost on Apple Arcade. It's a lovely platform, very dark and, and sad, but uh, very, very, uh, very atmospheric. Nuts is another wonderful game on Apple Arcade, which I streamed uh, okay. for, my, for my Mac, which was really weird. Like, I'm <laughs> apologizing to everyone. I know, I'm playing a game on Mac. Stop laughing. It's quite funny. <laughs> I, I had a Mac for years. I know the pain. Yeah, I mean, I. Believe me, I, I started, um, I've been PC for, for years, but then when I needed a laptop, I went, I just get a MacBook, I'm not having this. I mean, after my second PC laptop, died, I can't do this anymore. It's just, it's, just, it's just awful. I just wanted something that would actually work. Is that too mm -hmm. much to ask? <laughs> and uh, so I went, I, I defected and uh, haven't looked back since. As regards to the laptop, though, my, my, my main peak computer is still a PC because my job and you know you can appreciate kind of have to be uh because you know it's where 90 percent of the games are still are windows only thank you very much yep. but um and i've actually played lowly mountains downhill on the mobile how did i do this well i streamed it from my xbox it was great <laughs> and did you feel that it worked 
I think it worked. And again, my Wi-Fi here is ridiculous, but okay, <laughs> you need to have a very, very, very fast Wi-Fi, and it did actually work quite well. I do have a controller, by the way. Just to be ah, clear. okay, that okay, so that have, explains a lot. Some, I have something called a backbone controller. They're very expensive, but they're amazing, and they actually replicate an Xbox controller more or less. Okay. But they actually clamp the whole phone into this device and look it up. It's amazing, but they're not cheap. Uh, but uh, no, I, I um, they are very, very robust controllers, very, and they're designed for that one purpose, and it does a fantastic job. So I didn't have the problem with the touch controls. So I was actually using a controller. So I was just basically lonely mountains downhill on a smaller screen. That's nice, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it works really well. Yeah, it's crazy that you're you're making a, a console game and then somehow it still ends up on mobile. Yeah, no, yeah, by Bio thought you were like, damn it, we're trying to get away from that. Yeah, we're cursed to doing mobile games for the rest of our life. <laughs> but uh, as a creator of things, and this next question's a bit nebulous, so brace yourself. Most developers go, what? Some don't. Some go, I don't know exactly how to answer this, but here we go. What are your biggest influences? You mean creative-wise? Yeah, what's the thing that sort of drives you, the thing that you find orbiting more than anything in the world? Um, I I think just the act of creating something out of nothing um, is probably what drives me or also drives us in a way um that's very profound so i don't know if, if if i get bored i start making games um and i often have more fun actually developing games than playing them or at least some of them um so the mere act of creation is the thing that you are most influenced by which is again quite... yeah and and i also always um i i awe at games that um are like really polished don't have a flaw like i don't know um into the breach or stuff like that like like these games where you feel like you cannot take something away without destroying the experience i um, see yes there's that you know greater than the sum of its parts which is a yeah, phrase most people don't really understand also i mean we also tried that for the our last two games it's really like um nailing the core of the game and then trying to keep it as minimalist as possible so i mean you still most of the time need some some kind of meta systems or stuff around the actual core gameplay but in the end really trying to to keep it focused on that Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so i think like most games that actually that really inspired me are these kind of games where you feel like i don't know like metro or uh, something like that which are just which have these incredible strong core, and then they they polish the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, less is more, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, understanding that uh, you can have this bit added onto it, whatever that may be, but is it really helping the experience? Is it, or is it just flannel that no one's going to look at? Mm. And there's a surprising amount of games that do that. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. How many times? How often have you heard that? Like, wait, you can do that? Or I finished the game without doing that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's 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 always easy to like cover a design flaw by just adding another system on top of it. That's right. the kind of right. um, 
takes away the attention from something not working correctly. Yeah. But yeah. trying to find a system that actually has just works on its own is is way harder than just putting up more and more and more and more stuff into the game. Yeah. And every type of game suffers from this. I say suffer. It's been it's subject to this rule. You know, board games especially. They're notorious for this. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why are you doing all... What's all this about? What's this track for? No one really knows? Okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I just played uh, Destiny 2 with a friend of mine okay. for, for a few weeks. And of course, I mean, this game is it's live since quite some time. And But if you come into it as a new player, it's just so overwhelming. It's yeah. so, like, I, yeah. I have no idea what all these systems are. I don't no. understand the story anymore because I'm missing, like, 12 chapters. And, yeah. um I mean, of course, that that easily happens when you have a live service game. Um, yeah, but it's like, yeah, yeah it, you're right. You're right. They did throw all that away, didn't they? They said they couldn't keep any of it. They had to dump it all, and uh, you'd have to read it for yourself or something. I understand they had to get rid of a load of content to replace it with new content. I, I yeah, I haven't played it in a long, long time. I I like it, uh, but I just never really had a proper crew that I could rock with, if you like. Which is one of its um, its uh, its its not its failings, but its requirements, in my view, to play it on your own is is a bit odd. I mean, it can mm. be done, but you don't get much out of it when you you finish the campaign and like, okay, that was that was fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, mean, I I I also like that, uh, and I mean, of course, it's a it, it's a proper triple A game, um, and everything that we played, Deep Rock Galactic, for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Deep Rock Galactic is this like really nice, polished, focused on the core experience. And yeah. if you then play Destiny as uh, as the next game, it's it's the contrast between these two design philosophies. Uh, yeah, you you, I'm more the Deep Rock Galactic guy. Yeah, I I just love the 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 uh, increased sense of. Uh, teamwork far you know, it's, it's just like if one person doesn't do their one job <laughs> mm-hmm. that you've asked them very politely to do it can go south very quickly <laughs> and unravel very quickly why are we being overwhelmed i thought i've said go over there why are these here <laughs> well i saw a shiny thing i'm sure you did but you're not dealing with the shiny things you're dealing with the bugs remember this is what we agreed <laughs> yeah, but if you have a working crew, then it then it has an amazing flow. So if yeah. everyone does their job, it's uh, it really feels good. And yeah. like you, at the beginning, there are like these huge waves of bugs, and you get wiped in seconds. And at some point, everything gets easy in the game because everyone knows what they have to do, and that, then the game feels really, really great. It's great when people actually get to the point where their language is shortcutted. You actually start using terms that no one would understand yeah. <laughs> outside the context of the game. Um, go to the left dongle. Oh, that one. Yeah, left one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, make a tunnel. Make a tunnel. <laughs> make a tunnel. Why? Just, you know, it's like it's like when you play mobas. Like I said, go mid. Didn't I? Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought you were going mid. No, I never go mid. <laughs> so, next question. What developer did most admire in the industry and why? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think Clay Games is one of the first that comes to mind because right. I don't think they've ever released a bad game, and every and I I, I just like their art style a lot. And um, so this is and, uh, Stay Alive guys, isn't it? Or my game? Um, no, not it's that, don't that. don't starve together don't, don't starve. and. Um, yeah. All the other games they made, I uh, yeah, loved. they did the Ninja game, didn't they? The, the, the yeah, using stealth game that but they released it. Yeah, Mark, Mark of the Ninja, I think it was Mark called. Of the and, Ninja, yeah, which was re-released on Switch relatively recently. Uh, fantastic, fantastic game. I remember when it appeared, people said at the time stealth games would become stale and awful, and they went, eh, "No, they haven't." People didn't know how to make them, and uh, yeah, no, good shout. I do, you're right. That spiky sort of brush like paintbrush sort of um like styling they have is brilliant isn't it it's uh everything with the black borders i've noticed they've got very sharp and contrasting colors with black borders is that the mm. right way to describe it but yeah, yeah. I, I think it depends on, i mean the early games I think some of them have more like a like a very clean outline shapes to them but i think over time they they tried a few other things, but yeah, I, I really like them. It's, uh, they think they make amazing games, and um, they also try out different genres and stuff like that. It's, um, I think they have a great relationship to their community. Yeah, yeah. Um, another developer I really envy, I don't know, probably a lot of people haven't heard maybe, is uh, Tiny Touch Tales, uh, Arnold. Um, he's doing mobile games um, pretty much alone, or not, not alone, I think he has a fixed partner who's doing the art for them. Um, and they did Card Crawl and Card Thief. Um, and it's, I think it's one of the few indie developers who actually managed to survive on mobile. And yeah. Still doing very good games that are not totally focused on free-to-play mechanics. Right, right. So yeah, Tiny Touch Tales. Um, yeah, so check those out. Okay. Yeah. I did, the games are amazing. If you like, if you like card games or card games with a twist, um, yeah, 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 big fans will enjoy yeah. them. Yeah. Um, other developers. I mean, I, I played a lot of good games in the last year. Okay. King of Pain was amazing. Hades was very good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Supergiant is often uh, mentioned in response to this question. Often cited as a, as an influence. Someone, to, people to look to and go. Mm. Yeah, they do. They do extraordinary things. Yeah, but in general, I always feel like um, you have to be a little bit careful to like compare yourself with other studios or to like mm. um, trying to go the same way. Yeah, because yeah. Because most of the times, like their history and the context is very unique. So if you have a studio yeah. that I don't know released a very good indie game ten years ago then that doesn't necessarily mean you can do it the same way because no. the market has changed so much since then. So much. Oh, boy. <laughs> Given to remind people that the Xbox 360 is almost 20 years old and they deny it. Go, no, it's getting there. It's 16, 17 years. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes, it is. Anyway. <laughs> um, my last question of the first half of the show. See, look, you made it. Well done. <laughs> that was fast. I know. I know. Well, you very efficient answers, and I appreciate that. 
but uh, this one you might ramble on a bit, and that's fine. We're good with that. But uh, the, the question is this. What are you playing right now? Um, at the moment, I have several games. Um, the new XCOM or the Chimera Squad, I oh, think it's right, called. Oh, okay. right. That's the um, one set in a city, isn't it? Yes. It's the, I don't know. Maybe call it a side project or something like that, or yeah. spin-off, um, which is pretty much like a, a XCOM version, a little bit more straightforward. Um, I like it, but I but I also really like turn-based games. So, um, other than that, let me check my library. Played a lot of Trials of Fire. Oh, we've had them on the show. Oh, we did? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe the episode is released. Uh, oh, okay. Then I have to yeah, look into that. Have, please do that. Uh, lovely. Uh, I encountered that at Rezd as well. I encounter a lot of good gamers Rezd, but you knew that anyway because there's some amazing games at Rezd. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I had them on the show, and it's wonderful. Really wonderful pair of games. And, and that's a great game. You're, the, the, the concept of the, the economy of uh, resources you have is so finite. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's really well balanced and uh it's uh you know it's very easy for commentators and developers alike to break down the mechanics of games a little bit uh, but uh uh yeah Toz of far is it's, yeah that's that's it's quite transparent in its mechanics but that doesn't matter it doesn't detract from the experience and that's a hard thing to balance with but uh it's almost wears it with pride you know but, yeah yeah other than that, oh, I just finished, uh, what's it called, uh, Disco Elysium uh, with a friend of mine. Right. Together. That's an extraordinary game that people were caught unawares by, um, isn't it? What What's the thing that you most attracts you to it? Uh, I mean, I do love the art style. Um, mm. And there were so many, I mean, I think it was more or less game of the year when it came out so i Very always much, had it yeah. in my backlog and i always wanted to play it um and yeah it's definitely a new uh, a unique game so yeah i mean i played outer wilds instead first, <laughs> which people have said it's fair that's fair it's fine. i haven't played that one yet no i highly highly recommend that if you've uh, liked disco elysium there is some um well, that's how can I put it? It's not it's the same kind of sensibilities. You, you know, you appreciate the the oddities of things, and you go, "What? How?" When when you describe the game to someone, yeah, at the end of twenty two minutes, you die, and you have to start all over again. No, yes, <laughs> it's, it's a terrible idea, but you realise it's actually one of the greatest ideas. Uh, but uh, no, uh, but yeah, Disco Elysium is a good shout. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the end of the first half, as I said. So uh, let's let's uh, let's not beat around the bush anymore and dive into the second half, where we hurtle down a hill uh, very fast in Lonely Mountains downhill.
So, first question, Daniel. Isn't really a question, I don't think. More of a request. Please, in your own words, describe for us what is Lonely Mountains Downhill? Um, Lonely Mountains Downhill is a downhill mountain biking game where it's uh, just you and your bike against the wild and rocky peaks of the Lonely Mountains. So that's the official pitch, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. To add a little bit to it, what makes the game special is that it's it's not the usual racing game where you have like an audience on the side of the trail or banner tapes or like this big um, Red Bull tournament feeling. But what we really wanted to do was like, okay, the mountain itself is your antagonist. So there are no other racers or other riders you race against. It's really about overcoming the mountain, finding the best way down. Um, there are different bikes, so every bike has like the best shortcuts it can take and just figuring out what's the best way to go down to the valley is the main challenge of the game. When I first saw it, um, I remember being marvelling at the soft sort of foreground focus effect that one has on portrait mode on your phone now these days, but that was wonderful. That really focused the player's attention on the bicycle itself mm -hmm. without detracting what's going on around them too much. And it's very, the foreground, the use of foreground is incredible. Um, and that's, that really made, made it for me. That and the movement and speed. Uh, and, uh, but really, the, that's what really sort of struck me as being really impressive. Which is why I wanted to have you on the show for all these years. Because I've been trying to, <laughs> trying to do this for ages, Daniel. I don't know if you know this, but I've been trying to get you on the show for a very, very long time. And finally, it's happened. Ray! Really, really happy to be here. Yeah. Because I did stream Lonely Mountain Downhill when it, when it was first released. Because I said, I've got to share this with people. And people just chuckling at my ineptitude. But I'm much better at it now than I, than I was back then. But, uh, <laughs> I want to ask you the first design question then, and I think you summarised it well, pretty well. You know, you versus the mountain. It's like rally, basically. You versus the track, not you versus other cars or other vehicles or other things. It's just you versus the environment. Mm -hmm. Gravity. Gravity in Lonely Mountains Down Who is both your friend <laughs> and enemy. That's true, yes. Was this the cornerstone of the design of Lonely Mountains Downhill, do you think? Um, was this the cornerstone? So um, Lonely Mountains is using a custom physics system. So right. we wrote it ourselves. Um, and for us, it was always important that it's not, that we didn't want to do a simulation, right. but we wanted to have this arcade feeling to it. Um, so it's it's more about... Uh, how you would imagine a bike might feel and not how it actually feels. Um, gravity is a part, um, but I don't think it's actually the main part. I think the main part of what we started with at least was more like avoiding obstacles, actually. Right, okay. And the whole jumping or like um, figuring out which drops you can take actually came later in the development. So it wasn't the focus. Interesting. But of course, nowadays, it's, it's, it's yeah. a big part of the game. It is. So it's more like a, a, a side issue. Not side. That's correct. It's like a consequence 
So you were trying to do a thing, and they said, well, what do we know? How do we know it works? Oh, that's right, gravity, apparently. That's, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the thing that keeps you stuck onto the ground? Well, the, that this really weak force called gravity, which it is, by the way. It's very weak. Uh, it's all about mass anyway. Uh, and uh, But, you know, for me, when you're actually riding across narrow gap a narrow ridge of something whatever it may be a, a rock or a log or something that's that's quite tense because <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. you can't i mean either you bomb you you go over it really quickly or just basically jump over it and avoid it entirely or you gingerly go over the top but the doing it very carefully i find is is fraught with with danger now yeah if you ever looked at some speed running i mean there are yeah. a lot of speed running videos on it um that's that's crazy. Like how fast people are taking all these shortcuts and doing all these jumps. It's um, yeah. I mean, the the best times we have now are so much better than what than anything we could have ever imagined for the game. Um, no. no, it's scary. It it, it is yep. scary. I I I don't actually get wound up playing Lonely Mountains downhill. By the way, I find it I find it a therapeutic experience. I don't mind crashing. I don't mind failing. I actually like. I also enjoy the sense of actually completing a run within a certain period of time and stuff. But ultimately, I regard it as a piece of uh, relaxation. Whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. But I do find it a rather therapeutic game to experience. It it is intentional. So we always wanted that you can also play the game that way. So if you just want to have a relaxed ride. Mm. And yeah, like um, doing some of these casual goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then this was so. As an example, um, you can unlock every trail in the game just by going down the mountain within a certain amount of crashes. So all the time-based goals are only there for either customization items or um, unlocking different bikes. Yeah. But you can actually enjoy the whole content of the game without being that good in it. And that yeah, was always an, an important part for us. Yeah. You've spoken about the open landscape. And it offers lots of hints to the player uh, in that there's more than one route to get through the, the, to the course, the end of the course. You don't have to stick to the path, in inverted commas. How mm-hmm. have you found designing each mountain in Lonely Mountains Downhill, and knowing that there are multiple paths through it? Um, designing a mountain takes a lot of time. Um, It's really very, very, very time intensive for us. Um, So what we normally do is we start designing this this main trail called called scenic route um, in our design language. So that's the one trail where you see all the landmarks, where you have like these wide open views into the scenery. Um, But it's also the, of course, it's the trail that takes the longest time down the valley um, and then we're using this trail to like hint at sort shorten well certain shortcuts you can take so sometimes you see it like in your back view ah there was a way i could have taken yeah or sometimes we we kind of like um trick you a little bit by by showing a very obvious shortcut first but then the actual better shortcut is after it's coming after that um so we want to to motivate the player to really explore the mountain to like find all the little 
shortcuts and uh, jumps they can take. Um, but you can also, for the beginner, it's, you always advise, hey, just, just take the main trail, go down the mountain, get to know the trail. And if you're doing that, then you're ready for like really taking on the, the speed challenges. Yeah, the amount of times I've actually done a mountain, gone down, used the path to navigate and to find the alternate routes. Once I've found the alternate routes, I then try to exploit them in my subsequent runs. Um, I always find it funny that your bike is facing one way and actually another route is right behind it. Like, mm-hmm. if you start, like, I could keep on going, but actually, if you look down there, there's another way of going down. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a you know, steep incline. I know, but you'll make it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the, the beautiful things about our fixed camera perspective. Yeah. Because it allows you to do a lot of these level design things. Um, because you do know at every point what the player might see, so you can actually start to hide stuff or guide the player towards a certain goal or things like that, which would be really hard if you would have these, this free camera movement. Yeah. Now, a key skill I've found in mastering lonely mountains downhill is being able to react to what the rider is doing, what was was going to encounter, I should say, within a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. We've already hinted at this and the, the fixed camera view. So this is what I'm going to ask is, what have you done in the design of the game to encourage the skill development, the development of this particular skill on the part of the player? What, what do you think you do to make sure that the player understands that they've got to prepare? They I mean, they have to know what they're going to do, not what they're currently doing, because that doesn't work. You, you've got to focus on the future, not the now, because that's too late. What mm-hmm. do you think Lonely Mountains Downhill does to encourage that kind of thinking? There are a lot of different things that actually uh, influence that. So, um, of course, the level design, like just the distance between obstacles. Um, sometimes you can use like textures or um, smaller obstacles to hint that there will be a bigger obstacle coming. Um, you can also, um, like you're one part of the trail, but you see a later part of the trail in the background. So you can already kind of prepare what is what will be coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things on the on the level design side that are doing that, but also um, the camera. So if you're going faster, the camera will zoom out and it will show you more space in front of you to give you more time to actually react to things. Um, the graphics. So one of the reasons why we deliberately choose this kind of art style is that um, we can control how much things will block the camera or will overlap it, at least to a certain degree. If you would have like a photorealistic game, then just like working with trees would have been a nightmare. Um, Yeah, yeah. So our art style allows for a very readable trail, for very readable level design. So just to be clear, listeners, it's the the art style, which I haven't really delved into. It's very unique uh, and it's a low polygon count at least that's from the uh, lay person's point of view i know that's not true there's a lot going on there but it's a gives an impression that there is 
uh, but there's a lot of lighting and shading and movement, and it, like I say, no. it just makes it easier for you to represent. And, and, and there are actually a lot of polygons on the screen. Oh, I know, so I, know. Uh... I know. That's why I said I had to be very careful there. I don't want to come across as being, oh, yes, it's got. No, it looks like that, but it's actually way more complex than people. And that's the art of that. That's the actual impression of a simplicity uh, 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 overriding actual intense complexity. Mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine what the, the wheels of the bike alone, I tried to think. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, one last thing I would like to mention. Um, yes, yes. Comparing this question is um, another big thing is the way our checkpoints work. So because you can instantly restart at the last checkpoint, so without any loading time, it's, it's just happens instantly. It does, yes. And because the checkpoints are placed very close to each other, actually crashing into an obstacle isn't that much of a problem. It's not that frustrating because it's probably only like, I don't know, 10 to 20 seconds you lose at the max. Yeah. But then you have learned another thing about the section. So you mm. know, ah, okay, behind turn number three, there's a big tree in the middle of the road. Maybe I should try to avoid it this time. Yeah. So with every like tiny run or with every try, you do learn a little bit more about the trail. Right. Yes, you do. It's um, the amount of times I've cursed and so I'm like, why can't I see this stuff? Why, I, why am I hurting into that rock? You know, I can't. What am I doing? It's um, that's that's one of the things I love. Keep on, you know, keep keep pick yourself up and go. It's fine. Don't worry. It's you'll get through this. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about the sound design now. Okay. Um, the sound seems to be contextually driven in Lonely Mountains Downhill. There is um, the sound of the wind, the mountain itself. It does speak. There's, there are, as I speak, with wind and rain and all sorts of other environmental effects, the creatures and making sounds which go louder and softer depending on your proximity to them. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But every pedal push... And every skid on the bike seems to be louder than one would normally expect. Mm -hmm. It's obvious because that's a way of feeding back to the player that it's okay, you managed to hit the brakes, you are slowing down, well done. <laughs> <laughs> because so often games don't really inform you of that until it's too late. Whereas with Lonely Mountains Downhill, you've actually told the player in multiple ways that yes, you have managed to slow down sufficiently <laughs> for you to turn. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk us through the sound engineering or sound design, the philosophy behind it? Mm -hmm. um, first, I have to give all, all the credit for the sound design to Syndrome, which mm -hmm. is our sound design studio, um, yeah. Alex and Lucas, and they did an amazing job for it. Um, mm. So the vision was always to have no music and to only focus on the the sound of nature um, right. and the bike right because one thought at the time and i think that turned out true was that because we have this abstract look like on the textures and everything we actually need the sound design to tell you what it is so we need to have the sound design actually communicating the world around you because otherwise it's just green texture. But as soon as you ride over it and you hear the grass or you hear, I don't know, the rocks sliding beneath you, then everything makes sense. 
So yeah. it was always very important for us to give enough room to the sound of the of the biker and the rider, yeah. of the bike and the rider. Really tactile, really overused phrase, I know, but I can't. I mean, if you want to use the word tactile, it definitely applies to Lonely Mountains mm -hmm. Downhill. It's, it's, it's really, really feels like the wheels are biting into the paths sometimes, yeah. even though yeah, it isn't. It just feels like it. It's um, so everything is done in F mod, um, right? And we have these really like multi-layered events for everything, and um, there are a lot of parameters that actually get feed into these events so mm. speed underground um, how much obstacles are around you like um, how much like if you're on top of the mountain or if you're in a deep forest so there's really a lot of stuff going on uh, braking accelerating all that and that all comes together to create these as you said very very tactile sounds it's one of the um, things that draws me to the experience really it's just uh it, it like i said it's just it is my 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 go-to game when i don't have anything particular to play you know what i mean it's just like well <laughs> and I, that's, I, that's, that's really nice to hear i could play returnal again or <laughs> <laughs> which is nearly as relaxing as lonely Mark. <laughs> just nearly well house mark you know bless them uh they 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 really know it. i mean i sorry but distracting but it's, it's relevant because it's like it's such a contrasting game to everything else that I'm personally experiencing and playing. You know, playing through Mass Effect again, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know the first game is clunky as all you like, my friend. It's uh, it hasn't aged all well, <laughs> and uh, you just see all the systems. So it's nice to be able to get away from the po-faced nonsense that is Mass Effect and just go down a mountain on a bike. No, I have to admit, I've never played the Mass Effect part. So yeah. Shame on me. It's, it's still, it's still in my backlog somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's the the more time between now. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> this one. It's also probably like two hundred fifty hours to play through all three parts. Probably. No, but... it isn't. Sorry to cut really? you off, my good friend. Yes, Daniel. No, it's it's that's a misnomer about Mass Effect. They're very short. Oh. The first game is about fifteen twenty hours tops. Oh, that, that sounds that sounds good. I actually prefer yeah, shorter yeah. games. It's actually quite yeah. You 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 find yourself like I oh, am. Well, am I just deliberately dragging this out? I don't have to because you find yourself just mainlining it, and that's fine. I mean that's fine for Mass Effect. I mean then again the DLC for Mass Effect Two is pretty good, so I would recommend some of those side side ball missions. They're very fun, but you know. It's fine with Mass Effect. Don't do it with Skyrim, though. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did that with Skyrim. Regretted it ever since. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know why I did. Oh, that's right. I was in deep in WoW at the time. Anyway, anyway, Lonely Mountains Downhill, which is developed by Megagon Industries. It's a great name, by the way. Where did it come from? Um, there are actually different stories where that's coming from. Okay. Um, so, what we, I think, uh, at some point the word Megagon was there, which is like a polygon with, oh, don't quote me on it, I think a million sites. Um, oh, right. So it's the ultimate D20. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like it has so many sites that actually, if it's 
if it's the size on the ears, you cannot differentiate it from a normal uh, normal sphere. sphere. But it's yeah. still actually made up of many small. Yeah, but it's still actually yeah. <laughs> so that that's in the end is a megagon. So it's a it's a it's a really big or a really detailed polygon. Um, right. And this industry part, I think it was at any end it was a joke because we yeah. were two or three yeah. people and we needed a name for the app store um, because we had our first game ready and then it was like okay come on, if it's yeah. if it's already like this big as Megagon then we can make it even bigger yeah. and then yeah. this industry part came to it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like you know what's your company called? Oh, Global Tech. <laughs> yeah, something like that. There's there's two of you. I oh, know. So, so Global Tech was this that a thing? No, yeah. But no, it's great. It's a that's, that's a lovely story. It's a, it could have been that or 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 color an animal. You could have gone that way. But no, that's uh, how often have we seen yellow pig? <laughs> <laughs> okay, green giraffe. Good on you. Good on you. Love. Nothing but love for you. Um, so yes, and it's published by Thunderful, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, which is where I saw their their vast booth at PAX West. Wow. Remember when we packs were still going? That was that was a good old booth. That was, wasn't it? Up yeah, you're six. talking about these game events, right? Like yeah, these yeah. things from the past. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, I remember uh, them. They're coming back soon, though, right? 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 Yeah. I I really hope so. Um, <laughs> I never thought I would say that, but now I no, would like. Yeah, I know. Would go voluntarily go to Gamescom yeah. nowadays. So, I know. so oh, Gamescom. I do like Cologne? It's a lovely city. Anyway. It is. It is. Um, so yes, now I'm going to get the platform. I'm going to list the platforms out. But if I get any wrong, could you cut me off? I don't think I will, though. It's been out for a while. But according to Wikipedia, which is the bastion of all knowledge, <laughs> uh, Lonely Mountains Downhill is out on Nintendo Switch. Correct. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation Four. Yes. Five as well. He says delicately. It is playable it is. on five because. Okay. They- Port legacy games, but we don't have like a an extra next gen version or something I'm like not that. Not suggesting that, but as long as it works, that's it, what it, I need it, to it, it, it works. <laughs> I, do have a, I, do, I, I do have a PlayStation 5, I'm one of the three people in the world that has one. So, um, and uh, sitting right next to it is my Xbox Series X, which I do know it works on because that's what I play Lonely Mountains Downhill on. Uh, and also Xbox One, it's on that too. And it's also on the computing platforms, apparently. I know it's on Microsoft Windows. Of course it is, yes. But it's also on Linux. Yes. Uh, right. No, it isn't. There you go. I mean, Flying. It, I mean like, like every Steam game is kind of on Linux, so you can yeah. play it through the Steam Linux emulator. Oh, and as right, far good. as I know, that works pretty well. Yeah, but there then, isn't a specific Linux version for it. No, and it works on Macintosh uh, OS. Yes, so that's true. I haven't tried it, but uh, I'm sure it's it's fine. Uh, but like I said, I've got it on two platforms. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favourite games for the last couple of years. It really, really is, and I can't thank you enough for making it. The world needed Lonely Mountains downhill, in my humble opinion. So to have you on, Daniel, to chat about it has been an absolute pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month 
at patreon.com forward slash Rince for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canonrince.com.